0: hello everyone welcome uh, to the latest little episode of invisible London um, I'm very sorry I've not been I've once again been uh, neglecting you I've not spoken to you for a long time um, I've been very very busy doing all sorts of things none of it would uh, relate to the website but um, Website. I don't know, the podcast. Um, So uh, do forgive me for that. But obviously, we've all find ourselves with a lot more time on our hands. And so I have been working on some more episodes for you. Um, This one is going to be slightly different to the usual style we do. In that it is a little bit shorter. Uh, It's going to be more... Uh, history than sort of spookiness or weirdness, but uh, you know that all all falls under the uh, the umbrella of the uh, the nature of invisible London and the things which uh, fill the city and you you uh, may never notice. Um, and so I hope you enjoy it. I hope it. Um uh, tides you over for a little while. Uh, there will be more uh, oddities on the way. I'm going to try and do one at least, you know, every uh, every few days if I can, these the shorter ones. Um, I am currently working on a uh, one of the longer, more in-depth podcasts, um, and that one is, um, is going to be on uh, walking some ley lines. Um, and a little bit of St. Paul's Cathedral, and the Templars, um, and King Arthur. Uh, and so hopefully, if I can just get a bit more inspiration on that one, that will be out um, at some point before uh, the end of the universe. So look forward to that. Um, anyway, right. I um, uh, Once again, I've got my, uh, my, my paperwork here. Um, and we are going to be looking at um, cabman's Sh- Shelters. Uh, what are cabman's Shelters? Well, they are um, the little green. Um, they look like sort of sheds. They all look like all cricket pavilions. Uh, and they're dotted around the city. Um, and they were um, started up. There was a, a, a charity fund uh that was uh, got together by the uh, Earl of Shaftesbury uh in order to um help support and uh take care of London's cabmen um right why did they need um why did they need shelters well um the London sort of um of uh, the 1800s obviously is still have a fairly major uh city incredibly um uh, busy uh, not everyone had access to their own vehicle, so uh, the taxi cab was the, uh, the best way of getting around for, for long distances. Um, at the time of about, I think about 1904, um, there are at least 11,000 horse and carts, um, sort of designated um, London cabs in the city uh, and so these were uh, the majority of these were the hansom cab style um, and the hansom cab is uh if you think of almost any uh sort of victorian uh london tv program or film or you know sherlock holmes this is the classic cab one horse on the front um two wheels um there's room for two um, people inside They're all self-contained, and then the driver would sit um, above and behind you, so he's sort of over your head with his whip, Um, and he's exposed to the elements, but uh, you and your companion will be safe and snug and warm inside, uh, solving various mysteries and trotting off to uh, hunt down Jack the Ripper and all the rest of it. Um, But uh, those are the sort of classic cabs, and there were somewhere in the region of around 7,000... Uh, of those cabs. 7,499 of those were registered in uh, 1901. Um, And it was, uh, it came to the point that there was just so many of these cabs in the city um, that there were various uh, 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 regulations passed um, to uh, keep them off the street as much as possible. And uh, I think the rule was you'd have to um, sit in your, your taxi rank and wait for the, uh, the fares to come to you. You couldn't, like they do now, sort of drive around the city on the off chance that someone would stop and pick them up just because the streets were so crowded. Uh, and so they would form up in these uh, ranks and uh, another uh, problem uh, facing the London cab drivers was that these cabs, um, well, your licence would only allow you to um, leave your cab literally at the end of the day. Um, it was illegal to park up in the uh, in the, the rank and um, go elsewhere uh, while you wait your turn. Um, and so a lot of these uh, drivers were left uh, hungry thirsty open to the elements um, they couldn't leave the cab um, and you know pop into a, a bar uh, or a pub for um, a bit of food um, and the only way they could do that is if they uh, paid someone to stay with the cart so obviously they're they're eating into their um, their profits every day if they do leave the cab uh, obviously the problem for this then was that a lot of the cab drivers would um, turn to a sort of the readily available comforter in uh, times of um uh, sadness, and that was booze, and so they'd all get boozed up, uh, and it would get to the point where um, most of these cab drivers were uh, pissed in charge of their, uh, their, their taxis and, uh, and couldn't do the job they were, they were looking for. Uh, and so in 1875, um, there was a fund set up by the Earl of Shaftesbury, and he was, actually he's an interesting guy himself. Earl of Shaftesbury. Um, he is the guy with which Shaftesbury Avenue is named after. Um, he was the seventh earl. This chap, his real name, well, his, his sort of given name, and he was born Anthony Ashley Cooper. Um, he was born, I think, about 1801. I haven't got that here. But he lived until about 1880, so he was a pretty old man. Uh, politician nearly all his life. Um, he had a miserable childhood as. Um, rich people seem to do. Uh, he was didn't really meet his um, parents very often and when he did that was incredibly formal and he was sort of terrified of them. He called his mother a devil um, and I don't think he thought much of his father either. Um, but he did get on very well with his, um, um, not housekeeper, but uh, his sort of, um, you know, he was Mary Poppins. His sort of his version of Mary Poppins. He got on very well with her, and she was quite religious, and so she uh, used to take him to church. and He got um, he got really really into um, um, the idea that Jesus was going to come back any minute now, uh, and so he was uh, one of these guys who was you know forever doing things and setting up charities and events, and you know, he knows absolutely terrified that Jesus would turn up and ask him what the hell have you been doing for the last fifty years, and he he wouldn't have anything to show for it. So he was uh, a real mover and a shaker. Um, And uh, one of the sort of formative experiences of his miserable life, again, uh, he was at uh, boarding school, I think he was at Harrow. Yes, he was Harrow, uh, as these people always are. And um, he was, uh, he had a miserable time at school as well, hated that there. Um, and he was um, at the foot of Harrow Hill and he sort of happened upon a, a pauper's funeral and it absolutely terrified him. Uh, and there was these sort of drunken pallbearers stumbling about with this rough hewn uh, coffin inside and they were shouting out uh, bawdy songs. And uh, he thought, God, you know, I'm miserable uh, here at school, but, you know, I've got money and clothes, and and these people really are having a a dreadful existence. And it put his own sort of struggles in his childhood into uh, context for him, uh, I think. And so he dedicated his life work to uh, alleviating uh, alleviating the suffering of the poor uh, and helping out um, as best he could. But he uh, became a politician... Uh, one of his first major roles was sorting out lunatic asylums and uh, at this time Victorian uh, London the, uh, the lunatic asylums were more or less places where you'd take people to die um, often um, the reports he first put out when he was uh, made head of the sort of London L- Lunatic Asylum Board was that he uh, he visited a place where um, they would be chained into their beds, which were just literally heaps of straw on the ground from Saturday morning until Monday morning, uh, and they'd just be left um, with, I don't think, food or water. Um, but for the weekend while everyone went home, I guess they were they're left to their own devices, chained in their beds, obviously going to the loo where they lay. Uh, Monday morning they were shaken up, rotten food that you wouldn't even feed to a dog, he described it. Um, there'd be one toilet for 160 people. Uh, there, were, um, there was no plumbing, and so you'd get a sort of ice cold bucket of water slopped over you, and, and that was uh, what you had to, uh, to wash with. There was no soap. Um, and he uh, uh, was absolutely determined to sort, of sort out these uh, lunatic asylums. There was also calls at the time that it was probably a little bit too easy to get people admitted into these asylums, um, but he never thought that. He was always, you know, quite sure that the people in there probably deserved to be there, and uh, he even argued that there were perhaps more people in London um, were out and about who, who who should be locked up, which is uh, fairly odd. Um, I mean, these uh, these he was almost pushing for you know, better conditions but also slightly more people being incarcerated. Um, and there was uh, one such case where there was a, a, another fabulous woman. I'm uh, researching about her today. She's called Georgina uh, Wilden. And she was, um, from again, from a, a wealthy family, but her parents forbade her um, from actually going and becoming a, a singer and actress. And she was incredibly talented at uh, singing and, and, and songwriting and she had uh, dreams of becoming a a serious London actress but his parents wouldn't allow it Um, so she, when she was a girl she runs off to marry a um, I think a captain in the the British army and the cavalry which is a disastrous idea because he was no better than her parents and uh, um, she uh, where are we? What's his name? I don't think I wrote it down. But anyway this guy was a real arsehole and um, uh, he forbade her from going onto the stage either, so she just had to stick with the sort of amateur shows and um, small little performances. and never really made a name for herself, um, despite being incredibly popular at the shows she did do, but she was never allowed to really take it seriously. Um, this husband was a... yeah, he was an arsehole. He, um, he pulled out a pistol and threatened to shoot her when she was pregnant, which brought on a, uh, a miscarriage. Um, and then after that, he almost completely lost interest in her. And he, uh, he ran off with her. A nineteen-year-old girl. After that, yeah. So he was a he was a fool, um, but he was desperately trying to, um, uh, in their marriage. And so he, he the uh, this cavalry officer, he comes up with the idea that um, Georgina Weldon was um, sort of dabbling in spiritualism and, and witchcraft, and that um, he tried to get her put into a lunatic asylum because she believed her pug dog had a soul, and that her dead mother's spirit has possessed her pet rabbit. Um, and so Georgina Weldon was forced, I think, briefly into a lunatic asylum. Um, but she was uh, she was released, and after this, she tries to sue um, the Earl of Shaftesbury, who's in charge of these things, saying it's just too easy for um, cruel husbands to to dominate their wives and have them sent off. She becomes a bit of a folk hero herself, um, often sort of sticking up for the uh, the poor. Um, she set up an even. She set up an orphanage, teaching children how to sing. Actually, yeah. So she's yes, yeah, she's fascinating. Um, uh, Georgina Weldon, and actually, bizarrely, um, she was buried in um, the church, which was just a short walk down the road from where my uh, my dear great aunt Ida used to live in Mayfields. That was quite fun. Um, obviously, you know, you don't know Auntie Ida, but yeah, she was a lovely old lady. Um, so there we are. Yes, indeed. Um, Anyway, the Earl of Shaftesbury. How did I get on to her? Yeah, well, she tried to see the Earl of Shaftesbury. Uh, it didn't work, unfortunately. But um, he was an absolute... Um, he couldn't be stopped sort of helping out the, uh, the poor and the afflicted and um, some of the uh, major acts that he sort of pushed through Parliament was the 10-hour um, the act, which would prevent children under 13 working more than 10 hours a day, um, which me at the age of 33, um, I still haven't worked a 10-hour day in my life, I wouldn't have thought. Um, but you no, know, it's pretty extraordinary that that's what kids were being asked to do back then—to li- to only do ten hours a day. It's crazy. Um, but I think even then he he struggled to get that through. But he he, he did it eventually. Um, he introduced an act to prevent women and children working down mines. Uh, he also called for a uh, stop to um, child chimney sweeps. He set up a fund to, uh, um, to 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 wipe that out, which he was um, yeah managed to do. Um, and he was a very strong Anglican. Yeah, again his. He sort of child-minded when he was little, brought him up, very religious. And um, he was determined that um, yeah, Jesus was going to be coming back any minute. And uh, to this point, perhaps rather bizarrely um, about him, this is about the one weird thing I found, that he was sort of very... Um, he was so determined that Jesus was coming back, that he thought the way of speeding it up would be to convert Jews to be Christians, um, which he was rather zealous about. So he was—he was really into that. He thought that was like one of the, the signs that um, it was, uh, yeah, coming. The second coming was on its way. If he could get everyone to be a Christian, um, needless to say, he was also a Freemason. But uh, I think most people were back then, uh, if he had a bit of money. Um, but again, yeah, you'll—you'll you'll definitely know. Um, Uh, the Earl of Shaftesbury much better as a the uh, the namesake for Shaftesbury Avenue but also from the uh, the Shaftesbury Memorial Fountain which is dedicated to his memory Um, you may not know it by that name because uh, it's probably better known as Eros in in Piccadilly Circus Um, and that's a fun little statue there as well it's the first public statue made out of aluminium. Um, it's not Eros, I think we've mentioned that before, it's one of these facts that everyone seems to know actually that Eros isn't Eros, it's actually his, his brother in Greek mythology is uh, eros which was um, uh, eros was the sort of almost trickster uh, love, erotic love god, um, and you know he'd shoot you with his arrows, and it, you you may not fall for the perhaps the the best person for you. But eros with his slightly more um, kind uh, brother, who was uh, hit you with um, it was described as as Brotherly love. It was um, sort of Christian love. It was a, uh, a more deeper, a more thoughtful uh, love. But um, I think perhaps because it was popped up in Piccadilly Circus, which is you know, the heart of theatre land and so near Soho, where um, perhaps Eros was a slightly more um, familiar face to people. That uh, yeah, it became known as Eros, which I'm sure would have wound up um, near the other Shaftesbury um, an awful lot. Um, also, Eros um, in the nineteen Oh, gosh, I can't think when it was. I think it was before the First World War. But they moved the statue. It was slap bang in the middle, and they were building the underground tube stations there. So they they had to move him from um, the middle of the road to the position where he's in now. Uh, And at that point, they also changed the direction he's facing. Um, He used to be um, firing uh, sort of northwards, um, pointing up Shaftesbury Avenue, obviously, the statue, which bears the name of the, uh, um, the Earl himself, but also there's a bit of a pun there in that the shaft of the arrow would be buried in Shaftesbury, and I'm sure that was lots of fun for people back then. Um, but nowadays, yeah, they um, when they moved uh, the statue, they 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 spun him round uh, 180 degrees, and again the idea now is that he's shooting his arrow down towards Parliament, where hopefully that um, the spirit of Christian charity is going to be helping out everyone uh, down there. Um, so he was the Earl of Shaftesbury, uh, who came up with all these wonderful things to help out uh, the poor and the afflicted, and so uh, there was a friend of his, um, again another military officer i can't remember his name um but he'd gone out one night trying to find a, a taxi cab and it was hail and snow and you know terrible weather and all the uh, the cab drivers had thought screw this for a game of soldiers and they'd all gone to the pub rather than having to be sat on their um on the top of their cabs exposed to the the, the nasty weather and they're all now too drunk to actually um ply their trade and so uh, i think um uh, the Earl of Shaftesbury and this military officer guy, they they formed the um, the Cadman Shelter Fund. Um, and so the idea was these little wooden huts would be uh, provided, there's a charity, so there'd be monthly subscriptions, and uh, to set them up in all major taxi ranks within six miles of uh, Charing Cross, which is a sort of a traditional home for um the, uh, the handsome cab trade uh, would be provided with one of these huts I think at their peak there were 61 out there um, nowadays mm, there's about 13 uh, which are still uh, visible and actually still in use um, you can spot them because they're um, yeah they look like little cricket pavilions uh, often with a little hatch on one end so um, generally uh, the general public are Able to get takeaway um, food and uh, and drinks from there, but uh, only a a London a registered London cab driver could actually get inside. And uh, these huts they're about I think 16 foot long and about six foot wide. And this. Um, Legally enforced, strictly enforced this, um, these dimensions, because that was the size that a handsome cab and horse would take up, uh, and because the um, these huts were literally built onto the road, um, they had to be uh, sort of uh, fit the legal requirements, and so they could only take up the amount of space that a, a handsome cab on his cart would. Um, so they're very small but they are meticulously planned inside and so there would be a uh, obviously a uh, a door a seating area usually a u-shaped um seating area um uh, with benches and tables uh and then at the other end away from the uh, the seating area would be the um uh, the little kitchen uh which would have a larder um there was a gas stove um uh, various uh, cooking implements all hung up and um uh, ready to be used, and there the uh, the cabman shelter attendant who wouldn't get a wage but was um, vetted and he could make money, he usually was a he as well, uh, he could make money by um, selling the drinks and food. Cabmen could also turn up with their own food, so if they, you know, bought a, uh, a pie or a steak or something with them um, that day, they could have that cooked um for a small fee um so they were uh, well looked after there uh more often than not um you could uh, find quite a a, a crew of uh, cabmen in there you could have uh up to um 12 people could be sat quite comfortably in these little uh little spaces where well, they could have it was um uh strictly no alcohol so you could have it was uh the rules were only cabmen could go in. Um, There's no drinking, no swearing, no gambling. Um, but I couldn't see anywhere um, if there was no sex allowed. But knowing London cabmen, I'm sure there was a bit of uh, bit of something going on in there. But um, the green shade uh, is uh, again another rule. They all have to be this green, which is uh, oh gosh, It's Dulux Buckingham. Paradise green number one. Uh, and they all have to be that colour. Though I don't... Goodness knows why. But there we are. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there we are. Also, in these shelters, they were provided with free reading materials. So there were uh, separate funds uh, that various publishers and newspapers and magazines would um, provide um, books, papers, uh, newspapers, and uh, various pamphlets and things to... Uh, the idea being to, to educate the uh, the poor London cabmen who may not otherwise have uh, access to this sort of literature. So it was uh, again. It was this sort of Christian uh, working there to try and uh, uh, improve the uh, the lives of the the London cabman, keep him out of the pub, and uh, and even educate him. Uh, right. So the fur yeah, there was. There's about thirteen now. You can still go to. Um, at the peak in. 1914 i think there were 61 which were which were open um but uh yeah probably the easiest one if you're in central london which you shouldn't be right now but uh eventually we will be back there again um the easiest one to spot is uh just below uh, charing cross tube station at embankment place so on the on the um on the north bank um and there's a there's one just down there um, and again that one you can um, that has a little hatch which is often open, it's, it's sort of mornings and afternoons really um, but you can get a cup of tea or coffee for a, oh, cheaper than anywhere else and it's absolutely delicious and it's fun to think that you're still uh, supporting these um, these cab shelters um, which again the, the charity still exists, they're still run uh, all these huts are grade 2 listed buildings now as well because they're, um, they're deemed to be you know, significant monuments um, but the best one uh, that I know is the one on the corner of um, of Russell Square, um, and that one there used to be in Leicester Square. But they, when they closed the one in Leicester Square, they, they moved it up to Russell Square, um, and that one's fantastic. And it's got some wonderful little um, f- uh, flower boxes outside. Uh, there's uh, picnic benches, um, and they do cracking um, sausage and bacon sandwiches and buns and rolls and I think they even do stuff like curries and um, fish and chips and ham egg and chips and you know all the sort of stuff that if you're a um, a busy cabbie you'd you'd want to be tucking into but also the best thing is they're open in the mornings when i walk through russell square to go to work so every now and again when i was feeling flush and i had my my 50p pieces all saved up i could um, go and buy myself a sausage sandwich which i am looking forward to doing when we are all allowed out again um, so that one's a good one and you can have a look at it on um, uh, on google maps uh, and it's got a, a massive 4.7 star uh, rating on the google um, on the google reviews so they they're doing bloody good uh, bloody good stuff there give it a go, I think it's it's about oh gosh, two or three quid for a bacon sandwich and they're, you know, big old boys as well, so that's um, if there's ever a reason to get to Russell Square, then then there you are um, but uh, again, this is Invisible London we always like to have a, a little bit of weirdness here um, and uh, there's a fantastic story, uh, which was recounted to a um uh, a journalist from the Daily Telegraph. Uh, one night in September, eighteen eighty-eight. Uh, anyone with uh, a bit of a knowledge of London will know that that's the time of the um, the Jack the Ripper killings going on in in Whitechapel. And uh, so this um, uh, cab attendant, he was in his uh, his little shelter. Um, September in eighteen eighty-eight was pretty miserable. It was bad weather. Um, very wet and cold, and um, it's a very cold, quiet afternoon. It's a Sunday afternoon, so not much going on. a couple of chaps inside. All of a sudden, the door swings open, and in comes this this guy who's described as... uh, Where is he? Um, He had a thick moustache, but no beard. Clean, white hands, a round head, uh, and restless eyes ever searching. Uh, He seemed to have been drinking. He was vaguely known to one of the cabbies, which is how he got in, uh, and he gave his name as Dr. J. Duncan. And uh, Thomas Ryan, who was the cabman, at, um, the attendant uh, there, he, um, he was chatting with the, the various cabbies about um, the, the Ripper killings, and sort of absentmindedly he says, oh gosh, you know, what I wouldn't give is to know who, the, uh, who that murderer is. Um, and at this point the mustachioed guest sort of piped up and said, uh, it was me, I done him in. Uh, and with that he finishes cup of tea he pulls on his coat and uh, he strolls out back into the city uh, never to be seen again so uh, there we are jack the ripper even made use of these cabman shelters uh, so yeah next time you're in london uh, look them up you'll um, you'll you'll recognize them straight away now by this little green colour they look like little um, little garden sheds yeah uh, and i was i remember walking past them thinking again i said odd little thing i don't know what that is and um, yeah did the research, and, and there we go. Um, uh, yeah, there's a few um, articles out there about them, and there's lots of photos you can see inside, um, which is good fun because you're not really... Uh, again, you're not supposed to be in there unless you've, uh, you've done the knowledge. But, um, yeah, the next time you're in London, or if you you live in London and you're allowed your, your half hour of exercise and you're near any one of these things, go and have a look. Um, and uh, remember to uh, drop in when this is... Uh, um, all blown over and uh, have yourself a, a cup of tea from one of these great London institutions. Uh, right, so that is it, just a short one. Um, what I have been doing, I've been, yeah, so dipping in and out of research for this ley line ones. I've found it, it's it, I'm just trying hard to, you know, finding that, that hook. Um, to sort of tell the story properly i it's evaded me at the minute so I, was, I put that on the back burner and I thought I'd do this London Cab one just because it's a nice quick thing um, and it sort of gets my uh, flex my, my podcasting muscles again because uh, it's been such a long time since the last time I've done it um, other than that uh, the next one I think I'll do is going to be on Soho Square because that's quite another uh, interesting little place with some, uh, with some fun weirdness going on there um, but other than that Please have a lovely day or afternoon or evening, uh, wherever you are. Um, It's I'm looking at the uh, uh, statistics for the podcast. Um, Obviously, we're a fairly small fry at the minute, and so I've I got very excited about three weeks ago because I had my uh, over a thousand individual downloads now, so that's good news. Uh, So thank you to all 1,000 of you who have listened. uh including the sort of uh, the one man in belgium um and uh you know it's funny you see that you know the breakdown of where everyone is so hello to oh gosh where are we there's america uh canada the germans are, are having a great time with it um uh, there's a couple of people in portugal um australia i don't think there's anyone from new zealand yet but uh i think even in iraq i had a listener so thank you very much Um, I hope you enjoy travelling round London with me wherever you are uh, and um, staying safe and and staying in being good and washing your hands and all these things Uh, if you would like to talk to me about any of the uh, things I've ever talked about um, then you can get in touch the easiest way is probably on Instagram um, where, oh my days, this is hopeless I can't even remember what it's called, the Invisible London let me have a look, I've got my phone here, let me grab it out what am I called on Instagram? oh my goodness me this is the time it takes to not load up. But uh, 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 I am the Invisible London. Um, so there's lots of little uh, interesting bits and pieces I've seen. Uh, statues and wood stickers and like London graffiti I find absolutely fascinating. Um, and there's been some great stuff around recently. Clones are real. I don't know what that one is. Because I can't, usually you can find, you know, it's a a gang or a, uh, I don't know, a hip-hop artist or something. But clones are real, I think, is just a really cool thing to be saying. Um, But, uh, yeah, so lots of fun on there. You can send me a message. Uh, You can, um, I think I'm on Twitter. I can't remember that either. But um, either way, if you're listening to this, you know how to get in touch. Uh, Thank you very much indeed. Have a good afternoon. And I will speak to you, hopefully, within the next uh, couple of days. Cheerio.